You guys ready? Oh, yeah. All right, let's do this. All right. Howdy, and welcome to episode 13 of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series Stranger Things, and like the show, we are back for season two. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I am joined tonight by Dave Atterbury. Hey, friends. And Mr. Chris Tyler. Hey, guys. All right, you can reach us at castprotection at gmail.com, at, at castprotection on Twitter, and also on Facebook. Just search for Cast Protection. You may also leave us a review on iTunes. We have three, that's right, three five-star reviews on iTunes right Ooh. now, and they're not the three of us. So All right. Three, seven, yeah, three outsiders uh, have left us uh, five-star reviews. So awesome. we need a lot more than three, though. So Thank you to everybody who reviewed us. That's, that's nice. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so if you, uh, if you feel so inclined, we only want good reviews, so please uh, go leave us <laughs> another good review. If you don't like us, tell two of your enemies, though. <laughs> so we're back we're back i mean we we uh we did several like commentary episodes over the course of the summer but we are back for stranger things 2 i keep calling it stranger things season 2 but yeah. i actually think it's being labeled as stranger things 2 it is it's straight up 80s sequel style right <laughs> yes yeah it's awesome if only they had labeled the first season Stranger Thing, and they could have made this Stranger Things, but they kind of they kind of blew that already. So, well, well they, they could always go, the, the third one could be Son of Stranger Things or something. Well, curse, yeah, Curse of Stranger Things. Right, nice. Stranger Things: The Return. House of Stranger Things. This a, a, yeah. a run up. Abbott and Costello meet Stranger Things. There's a whole gamut <laughs> yes. of run through. Uh, nice. Well, we're back. So let's talk about the run-up to Season 2 just briefly before we kind of dive in. Uh, part of the novelty of Stranger Things and what kind of led us to even start the show is just how it came out, came out of nowhere. Um, it became this pop culture phenomenon, basically. But due to that and the success of the first season, Season 2, or Series 2, or whatever you want to call it, has been marketed basically you know, to the hilt. I mean, it's been... Heavily marketed. Yeah. So do y'all think the lead-up to Season 2, or what did you think of it, I should say, and do you think it had any effect on how you've enjoyed it so far? Uh, I'll tr- um, I mean, I, I know it's been marketed, and I've, I've kind of steered away. I don't usually shy away from any sort of spoilers or marketing for anything, uh, but I have for this. Um, I think I watched the... 30 second Super Bowl snippet because I was watching the right. game. Right. And the f- the lo- the first long form trailer that came out during Comic Con, I think that was it. That's all I watched. I didn't do any reading. I didn't watch anything else. I, so if, if it was super insanely marketed, um, I probably wasn't aware of the hysteria because uh, I knew I was going to watch Series 2 anyway. Right. So um, I can't really say that. It uh, clouded my uh, perception of it, so um, mm-hmm. which I guess is a good thing. It's I just kind of went in with the okay. I've watched about a total of ninety seconds of this, and that's all I want to see. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, the Comic Con trailer was enigmatic enough. I mean, it just gave you such rapid fire kind of yeah scenes without any sort of context that I, I don't think you missed. You know, I don't think that hurt anything. Mm-hmm. The second official trailer. 
I definitely feel like gave you a little bit more. But even then, it was... I don't think it was too bad. I guess when I say it was marketed like crazy, I guess I've watched a ton of playoff baseball this year just because, that's yeah. right, the Houston Astros won the World Series. So, nice. yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> but I I don't know if you all watched any games this year. They did this thing where, you know, Major League Stadiums have advertising all along the outfield walls. Yeah. But basically they digitally like superimposed advertisements into parts of the stadium where there weren't actual signs for advertisements. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while now. Yeah, and I mean, I watch local broadcasts for all of my Astros games during the season, and I don't think they do that on those broadcasts. Maybe maybe if I was watching like a game on ESPN or something, maybe they do, or they would, but I noticed, I want to say it was in the American League Championship Series, they're on the batter's eye, in center field of Minute Maid Park here in Houston, they definitely had a Stranger Things two ad. Oh God! You know, yeah, wow. uh, during during the game. So it definitely was very heavily marketed. What I guess I was trying to get at is not that it was spoilery, although that could be a risk. It was more like I think there's a potential part. Of, like I said, part of what was so like you know so novel about the first season is it was kind of out of nowhere and so right. pleasing. Right. Whereas this is like so hyped up, you know, I think there's a chance that it could overpromise, underdeliver. But I would say that for myself, and I think all three of us would agree, I think we all, you know, feel like it met and exceeded expectations. I think we all, we all really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that's, I, um, that's quite a tightrope to walk, I'd say. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I really liked that the thriller trailer. Like, yes. That's a Comic Con one. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's one of the like, like best trailers I've ever seen. Period. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I but talking of marketing, I wish I hadn't watched the second like trailer they put out after that. I think I only watched it one time. I can't even remember what it was. Yeah, but I remember that was thinking, the same. Ooh, I should not have watched that. Yeah, that was one that I felt like it. It, it definitely like I kind of knew it. It gave me enough information to know going into season two more than I wanted to know. Um, and I don't want to get into spoilers, I guess. Are we still, we're going to not spoil ahead on this? How are we going to do that? Are we, are we still? Um, I think we should try to, to not spoil ahead. Yeah, there are, yeah, there are so people that are still, you know, that aren't benching it, that aren't watching it, you know, one it. at a time and trying to follow along. Sure. So. Okay. So I won't spoil anything, but like I just uh, watching that trailer, I kind of guessed at based on what I was seeing, what I wasn't seeing, one of the one of the character arcs for the season, and I was totally right. And so it was one of the things like, yeah, I, I wish I hadn't seen it. So gotcha. Um, it's why like at this point, like I'm not watching any more Last Jedi trailers either. I'm, I'm yeah. not <laughs> done. Done. So well, there was one in the World Series uh, that. That came out last week, I guess, that it yep. really, it really, it. yeah. It. <laughs> well, it just had, it had one moment in it that I was like, hmm. Yep. That might have been better off just in the movie theater itself, but yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I know, I, I know exactly what you're getting at though, John, because like, I think that's one of the great things you can experience, especially with movies and TV shows when they're, uh, concept heavy, when they're geeky, you know, when they're, um, high concept. I, I think, when you can go in like we did on season one and really didn't know anything about it, uh, I think it's better. I really do. So, um, I, and I don't, I guess that's too, because I, 
or I have that opinion because I remember um, talking to – I actually had to talk to uh, one of my boss's childhood friends who's a Fox marketing executive. Okay. And and he – and I asked him straight up. I'm like, why do you guys give so much away in trailers and things? Like why are they made the way they're made? And he basically said that it's because like they, they consider – their marketing, they consider trailers and things to be for people. They're trying to convince the people who aren't going to the movie. Yeah. So they're basically they're made for people who aren't going to go unless they know everything about what they're getting into before they get into it to try to convince them. So since then, I, I yeah, I looked at all trailers through that lens. And sometimes, yeah, marketing can definitely go over the top, but. I guess I'm like I don't watch television, so I didn't see much for Stranger Things too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, to be fair, the, the 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 sweetest deal of all still hasn't been struck. I mean, we, we're not seeing Millie Bobby Brown on Ego's packaging, so it's like, is it really? It's not really hit critical mass, you know? Right. True. True. Yeah, I think there was Stranger. I think there might be some Stranger Things uh, Egos, but. Probably a little too PG thirteen for <laughs> for Ego, but maybe maybe. All I well, know is my, my my Ego patch uh, catches lots of eyes that I have on my backpack. So nice. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I guess yeah. Spoilers and trying to convince people—that's one thing. I, I guess I was one part of what I would think was like saturation. At least, at least for me, was on Instagram and Facebook. You know, they went from what I thought was like pretty clever marketing, which I think is something we discussed last time we recorded, where they're doing all these homage posters. To I felt like in the week leading, like especially the week or two leading up to the actual show, they were getting a little spoilery just in all the little Instagram videos and stuff they would do. I feel like it was getting yeah. too too much, you know. Yeah, but, there's there's almost like a feeling like I, I, I feel like the week before anything drops, whether it's Stranger Things 2 or the next Star Wars movie, you almost right. have to go media dark because right. they just start throwing it out there trying yeah. to get as yeah. many Saturate. people as possible. Get yeah. And, right. Yeah. So, well, so wait, I there's mean, a new it, Star Wars movie coming out this, this year? Oh, yeah. And there will be for, in perpetuity. I heard rumor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it must have worked because um, – what only one movie, one new movie opened up the weekend that it dropped, and mm-hmm. it was what the Jigsaw movie, I think. Oh, oh, oh yeah. uh, two weekends ago. Yeah, because um, yeah. I guess uh, they did actually release some numbers on that, and it was about nine million people that stayed in and watched all nine episodes within the first wow. weekend. So, wow, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it is for something that you actually had to, you know, pay to see, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, very cool. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I'd say let's uh, get back to our old ways of doing thing here, doing things here, and let's jump into our synopsis for chapter one of series two of Stranger Things. I'm going to go ahead and give the spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> I know these are obviously brand new episodes, but we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what's going on here. So here we go. So in our opening. The slow pan down from the stars, very similar to several we saw last season, especially over the Hawkins lab. Only this time, it isn't Hawkins, it's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the date is uh, October 28, 1984. 
So we see a group of Halloween masked uh, robbers or burglars run out of a building and into a waiting van. The van takes off and is immediately chased by a squadron of police cars. The driver keeps receiving directions from a noticeably calm woman riding in the passenger seat. This woman directs the driver to an alley that leads to a tunnel. And as they approach the tunnel, she closes her eyes and makes part of the ceiling collapse behind them, stopping the police in a pileup crash. And as the smoke clears, the other police question the lead driver as there was no debris from the tunnel. It was all in his mind. The woman in the van wipes her bleeding nose and revealing a number eight tattoo on her arm and that she confused the driver with some sort of mental powers. And we immediately cut to the credits. So... Chris was saying to me before the call, you know, I think, you know, it's pretty clear right from the very, very get-go that we, this this story is going much bigger, much broader than what we had in season one. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, that first three minutes is telling you uh, a lot without yeah. having to explain anything. It's right. opening up this world massively. Uh, in the way that, uh, you know, the way that a sequel should. Um, it dangles that plot thread out there, um, which we'll end up eventually getting back to. But, uh, I mean, that's a that's a, a hell of a cold open, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny. I think, I mean, I think people assumed with her being 11 that, well, that kind of implies that there were 10 before her. And I don't think anyone necessarily thought, oh, man, I bet in season two we meet some of these other people from, you know, the lab or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it is um, It is kind of mentioned that she was the – that Eleven was the only one to um, succeed or work or survive. I mean, however it's phrased, I can't exactly right. remember. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> clearly she wasn't. Right. Well, and I mean, it, you know, it reminded me of like, you know, Logan from – the X-Men Wolverine, you know, he's always been known as weapon X, which, you know, yep. X is 10. So it's so it kind of was like when we met 11, it kind of, you know, that, that's what it kind of like reminded me of, I guess. But similarly, I guess, you know, she's, she, we find out here right away that she's not alone. And I think that's a cool, uh, you know, it's probably like the subtext of what was going on with her last season that they just kind of latched onto and launched us into this new season with. So, yeah, that will become important later. Mm-hmm. So now we go to our episode proper. We open with a scene um, of the four boys of our main party, Dustin, Lucas, Michael, and Will, and they're frantically gathering change at all of their homes to go and play at the arcade. And uh, this was neat because we see Dustin's home for the first time, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, after getting defeated at Dragon's Lair in the arcade, they realize that several of their high scores, including Centipede and Dig Dug, have been beaten by someone that goes by the handle Mad Max. And as they debate trading uh, a date with Nancy to Keith, the arcade worker guy, for information about the mystery player, Will has a waking vision of the arcade being in the Upside Down. As he steps outside, a giant storm approaches with red lightning. Will's eyes widen in terror. He snaps out of it as Mike finds him outside the arcade in our world. The next morning, a man named Murray is waiting for Hopper at the police station. He is some sort of conspiracy theorist, and as the deputies greet him with derision, he is insistent that there is a Soviet spy operation in Hawkins. 
as Straws laugh until he mentions reports of a girl with psionic abilities. This does get Hop's attention. He tries to talk Murray into leaving as he goes to investigate a phone call in regarding ruined crops. Over at the high school, Nancy and Steve <clears throat> sit in Steve's Beamer editing his college application essay. It needs a lot of work, and Steve thinks maybe he should just forget about college, work for his dad, and hang around for Nancy's senior year. And as they are walking to class, scorpions ring out in still morning as a Camaro races into the parking lot. Yeah. A young redheaded girl gets out and immediately skateboards to the junior high while the driver gets out and stomps into the high school. So the girl on the skateboard is brought to our, uh, the junior high class of the boys, and they realize that she might actually be Mad Max, as her name's Maxine. At the store, at the local uh, general store, Joyce is putting the finishing touches on Will's Halloween costume. So this would be October 29th, I think we're supposed to assume, or the 30th. It's It's after the opening yep. scene when a man comes in and asks if they have any different colored Halloween buckets smash cut to them making out in the storage area in the back of the store and you get a sense from their conversation that Joyce and this character Bob have been dating for a while and that it's actually going well Hopper goes out to the call he took and the pumpkins of this pumpkin patch are not just bad they're putrid and covered in flies the farmer is convinced that it's his spiteful neighbor poisoning his crops and hearing something in the row of cor- the rows of corn, Hopper investigates gun drawn, but it's just a bird. Uh, he is, you can tell by his expression and the way he drew his gun, he's extremely on edge. So Nancy convinces Jonathan to swing by a big Halloween party the next night. Jonathan is still very unsure about doing this kind of thing. Um, the boys over the junior high talk, uh, stalk Max from a distance and she notices them. Joyce comes to the school to pick up Will. And they have to go to an appointment. Will is obviously very scared, but Joyce says they must go. So they arrive at the meeting, and it's actually at Hawkins' lab. And Hopper is there waiting for them. They all go in together. Will is put through a bunch of tests and speaks to the head doctor. And after describing how uh, he had this vision at the arcade, Will says he is not scared for himself, but he's scared for everyone else. The doctor meets with Hopper and Joyce after and references what went on the, the previous year as a rogue event, meaning like Dr. Brenner and all the government murder and everything else that was going on in Hawkins <laughs> the year before. Uh, but now that the government is there to help, he says it's been a year since Will's trip to the Upside Down, that he is most likely suffering from PTSD, and that Hopper basically leaves a meeting telling Joyce that she needs to call him if things get worse, call him first. Back inside the lab, we see the doctor's, uh, leading a man into the area of the breach down in the basement, and they basically use a flamethrower to push back the spread of the organic material that grows from the upside down, you know, in the hallway uh, leading down to the to the main basement area. You know, that's all been cleaned up as well. They've basically kept it contained into a small area immediately around the breach. At the arcade, Dustin and Lucas spy Mad Max arrive. She is the one beating their high scores. <clears throat> over at the Wheeler house, Mike's parents chastise him for his bad behavior has gone on for too long. They need him to basically get over everything that happened last year. However, Mike is spending every night fruitlessly trying to contact L using his radio. We see Nancy and Steve at the dinner that they were worried about earlier in the day, and we find out or we realize it's with Barb's parents. We find out they have mortgaged their home to hire Murray to come and find Barb, and he is already on to some leads. 
the guilt of the truth of what really happened to Barb is just eating Nancy up. At the buyer's house, Jonathan tries to encourage Will, but it's hard. Bob, Joyce's suitor from the store that we met earlier, is over, and he basically doesn't fit in with the boys at all. He likes Kenny Rogers and Mr. Mom. Nothing at the right. Hawkins Nothing lab, with either of those things. I, I would totally agree. We'll get to that in a minute, but yes, I'm like, I mean, cut Bob some slack. I like that movie, and Kenny Rogers not that bad. At the <laughs> Hawkins lab, we see the instruments go haywire. Something is happening in the upside down. Uh, Will gets up in the night to use the restroom, and again has a vision of a terrible storm filling the sky, and this basically a foreboding great evil. Hopper uh, drives to the woods and reaches a remote cabin. He knocks a pattern on the door and it opens. He talks to someone, you know, out of sight, off screen, sits down to eat, and when the camera pans around, we see that it's 11. She's alive and well, and Hopper is apparently keeping her safe at this cabin, and that is the end of Chapter 1. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. We're, we're right back into it. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you want to start? I mean, <clears throat> I think, obviously, the you know, we already talked about how, you know, we start in the opening with this big expansion about, you know, other gifted besides eleven, but whew, I mean <laughs> Yeah. Um it well it, here's the thing. it's so just with what they set up in this first episode with the characters that we already know, everything there feels really organic. Um the boys are all a year older, they're still best friends. But again, they're a year older, so their attitudes are, you know, a little bit different. They're a little, you know, they're a year closer to really being smack dab into puberty. Uh, Nancy's relationship with her male friends is obviously more complex now. Um, the fact that they're addressing what happened to uh, to Barb, uh, the fact that there's somebody investigating what happened to Barb. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything about it is is just a natural follow up. Um, you know, if it was real life, then it's the stuff that you could see actually happening. Um, and it is just a great setup for all of the plot threats that need to get followed up on this season too. And yeah, uh, yeah again, that that sense of foreboding. I mean, it's uh, this season is is very much a slow burn, but it's. This episode is this is if you're gonna start a season, this is exactly how you do it. With you know, it does kind of answer some some threads that we had left over, but at the same time, it's dropping all these other questions yeah. on you that need to be answered. Right. Yeah, no doubt. No I doubt. was su- I was surprised how much it. Um, I felt like, especially watching it again tonight. How much it reminded me of the the first episode of the first season, even though so much has happened and there's you know we're following up on plot threads and we're setting up new ones, um, the vibe was the same, which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, Hopper's coming into work and somebody's <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his his start getting into the story, even though he's got eleven with him already, it, it's the same kind of slow burn. You know, he's yeah. getting a call about something and doesn't think too much of it but goes out to look at it and seems a little off and off you know and kind of odd and but it is not immediately ringing alarm bells or anything you know um the boys are you know hanging out at the arcade and even though will's got some kind of you know he's 
he's immediately put into danger again, just like the first season. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, but and it was interesting. I, I kind of worried going into it. I was like, I wonder if it's going to feel too much like they're just redoing the first season. But even though here I am praising the fact that it reminded me of the start of the last season, I still think it was um, it was good. Like it wasn't it wasn't just a rehash. It wasn't. I, I'm I'm trying not to damn it with faint praise. Is what I'm saying. Well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the it's the Empire Strikes Back thing. Empire Strikes Back. It feels yeah. like Star Wars, but right. It's Star Wars with. But it's different. Yeah. But it's also different. It couldn't be the exact yeah. same thing. And this is. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Certainly, mm-hmm. like I mean, since they're only doing four seasons, it's not really a middle chapter. So maybe seasons two and three are the middle chapters, but it's it's right, right. That that sense of dread um, mm-hmm. kind of hits even faster in this. Um, yeah, you know, it's a it's a quick hit at the beginning of the first season with okay, Will's gone. This is Will's there, but something's just not right. So yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, like. The season one really, especially the first time you see it and you know nothing about it, is really driven by this mystery of, like, what happened to Will. Like, we have no clue with the monster. We don't know anything about the monster. We don't know anything about the Upside Down. He's just gone for, like, the first, you know, half of the season. You don't really know what's going on with him. So I don't think it... Yes, you wonder, like, why is he getting these visions? It's not to the same degree to me as, like you know, what kind of, you know, what the mystery, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like the first half of the first season really is more of like a mystery more than anything. And you're trying to piece together the like the parts of what's happening. Right. So uh, in that way, I think it is different, even if they're kind of going about it in a very similar way, like you said, with like obviously Will being in danger and the boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and I made a note here, like, you know, it's the arcade culture, Supplanting their, you know, the D and D stuff from season one, and oh, yeah. I mean, it is a little bit, but you know, they still they still do lots of you know D and D references as we go along. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I remember trying to explain to my kids, even my wife, like that's, you know, D and D is the underlying basis of most of the video games, even though. At that time, the arcade games, you had, you know, some of the games were more simple, like Dig Dug and, you know, and Centipede and stuff. But eventually, like now, like modern games, you know, they've swung all the way around to where it's just D&D, you know. <laughs> it, it really is. It's just D&D with all the dice rollings just happening in the computer for you. So yeah. um, I thought that was pretty neat. And it was pretty neat to kind of see, like, as I was, I, like, telling my kids and the look of shock on their face. And I was like, you used to have to pay a quarter every time you played. <laughs> and if you ran out of quarters, you didn't get to play anymore. You know, and they were just like, what? Yeah. Well, that's, and Dragon, I mean, Dragon Slayer was 50 cents. <laughs> exactly. Right. I know my kids were like, you, Dad, did you grow up in the Depression? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. Oh. That yeah. feeling, though, like, you know... Dave shook the... down uh, hobos for quarters on the way to the <laughs> Oh, arcade. my gosh. Never. I, know, I, I, I know. I was even telling my wife, because it was funny, because one of the last arcades I went to was in the town, like, where she and I lived together as kids before we, like, knew each other. And I remember telling her, like, yeah, like, like that was one of my favorite Friday nights was when, you know, heading down to the Funplex with, a, with, a, with $20 and putting it into the... 
$20 bill into the change machine, just be like, oh, the quarters, you know, yeah, just right. pouring out of you, you know, feeling like Lucas, you know, like just roll, <laughs> rolling in quarters. It's so that yeah, was awesome. I did enjoy seeing them shake down, you know, uh, you know, their <laughs> whole homes or like turn their homes over oh, trying yeah. to get all the quarters they could get. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, actually, it was, I, I yeah. I took Lincoln to a uh, birthday party here recently, and it's like kind of out—it's kind of out of sight. But there's like a really nice uh, arcade go kart putt putt place not far from here that I had no clue was there. But like, I took him to the birthday party, and he's old enough now, or I can just like, yeah, go, you know, go play laser tag, go play putt putt, do whatever you want to do. And I just got ten dollars in quarters and. Played, you know, one awesome old video game after another. They had a really nice, nice. arcade setup, so we're gonna be going back there. Nice. Oh yeah. I know when I was when I was the same age as the boys in this season, my dad used to keep one of the old, uh, you know, like the water jugs, like for the like water cooler, but it was like yes. actually a yes. glass one. Yes. <laughs> and he used to. I mean, he had it half full of change. Nice. So uh-huh. I could go in there and steal quarters all day long, and he never, <laughs> ever knew. So there was many a game, uh, that Aliens arcade game, Street yes. Fighter. I mean, just managed to, like, <laughs> beat them because I just had this endless supply of quarters I could steal. So I I was very much a Mike running around yeah. swiping quarters for my uh, family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I, st- when I started my freshman year of college at the at – the, at Boston University, uh, let's just say I didn't finish at Boston University, partially because they had a, a small game room at the student union, and it, and it had some great stuff. So I was pumping uh-huh. all my extra money into, <laughs> into Street Fighter oh, yeah. 2, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Point Blank, oh, yeah. the Die Hard arcade game, uh, yes. oh, God, the NASCAR. Uh, yeah, it was... It Mortal was, Kombat. Yeah, oh, they didn't have a Mortal Kombat there, but I, oh man, when the first one came out, I, oof, a lot of money, a lot of money was yeah. gone. The 12, right. 13 year old me spent a lot of money on Mortal Kombat, so. Yeah, well, and I like that they really, they really captured that in this episode. They captured that whole uh, feeling, which was pretty cool, yeah. and like, and and it was neat because it, it is a natural evolution of the D and D culture. You know, it, it it flowed right into that, so I thought that was a pretty cool um, way to do it. And I, I don't know, but I thought it was kind of cool too. You know, we talked earlier about the the thriller trailer that um, a lot of that trailer came from this episode, and I think the next one. Yeah, right. So I did really appreciate that 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 really great trailer was mostly pulled from very early in the season. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially those like the, the the iconic arcade shot where he comes outside and and sees you know on the horizon the coming doom. Well, I thought it was interesting in the in the trailer, if I recall, you actually see you know the the monster in the sky. I think here in the first mm-hmm. episode, if I recall, when he goes outside, he just sees like the storm. He doesn't actually see like it yet. I think he gets a flash of it. I think there's like I a white so. flash, and he sees it for a split second. Yeah, and that's okay. kind of I think what snaps you, him out. I think you you do see somewhat of a figure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, they're definitely they're, they're laying the the eldritch horror on pretty thick right away. Right. This sure. Season. One well, of the things. I've, oh, go ahead. One of the things I, I noticed is ahead. when he has that vision, 
the uh, the music that's playing is a is a dissonant version of the main theme. It's really Ooh. really off putting. I'm uh, gonna have to try to track that down because it's it's so weird. It's like an upside down version of that main theme. Right. Right. And it's and it's neat. I, I mean, I, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but something to look forward to is you rewatch it or watch it uh, for the first time. Like uh, every time, Will sees something, it gets a little closer, which I think is pretty cool. Yes. So I, I didn't notice that till like the second time I watched it through, and I was like, oh. Well, it gets closer, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, we will get to that as we get to it, I guess. But I mean, yes, <laughs> these yeah. interactions get closer for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So we're, you know, from a distance, introduced to a new character here, the the Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we do find out, you know, that that's this girl, Maxine, and of course, Mad Max came out in '79. Road Warrior came out in '81, but Beyond Thunderdome didn't come out to '85. So we're kind of in mm-hmm. the the spot between Road Warrior and Thunderdome. But uh, I was like, man, how are they supposed to be? Should she have seen Road Warrior and well, uh, Mad Max yet? Well, look, look who her, her, uh, her half-brother is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that leads me to the, my next, you know, talking point was uh, we were, were introduced to her older stepbrother, Billy. And you don't really get to know too, too much of him here other than he's totally trying to steal uh, Chris's, Chris's uh, Shtick is the hair metal hero. Uh, okay, the car is awesome. <laughs> his 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 style is awesome. His wig is terrible. Um, oh my gosh! My wig when I need a wig is amazing. Um, but let's just say I am not Billy. Yeah. So I, am, I, I am not Billy. I am no way Billy. I would never be like uh, that. Billy gives oh, guys man. like me a bad name. That is true. Sorry. By saying that, I'm not implying any of the terrible parts of Billy's character. I guess I mean the, you know, slamming, uh, yes, you know, the, late yes, you will 80s often, hair metal, yes, the whole show. Badassery. That is, yes. that is true. That is true. That is absolutely 100% true with me. Uh, his, But, I mean, look, in terms of how they've – in terms of grabbing the, the 80s milieu with the style and everything, I mean, it's dead on. Um, oh, yeah. Well, especially like the like California, like LA, you know, yeah. scene, you know, like Guns N' Roses or uh, Motley Crue or whatever, yeah. well, he's being got... transplanted to sleepy Midwestern town. Yeah, he's got the, you know, I, I, the crappy mustache, yeah. the the, the I, really bad hair, and it's it's oh god, I, that wig is so bad. Uh, I, I had to admit, the second time I saw it, I giggled because all I could think of was like Billy Madison, like. <laughs> Oh, like yeah. when he pulls up to yeah. school again, and he thinks he's gonna be he's gonna be Billy in high school, and and it's the '90s and it's not the '80s anymore. Which that just you know shows you how old Billy Madison is. Holy yeah. cow! The thing is the thing. It's like I felt bad because it's like that's the Red Power Ranger. <laughs> like oh, you're right. I, know, I didn't re- I, I didn't realize that till after I you know was kind of reading some recaps and stuff. You know after I'd finished the season. I did actually see that movie, and I did not put it together as the same actor. But you're, you know, it oh. totally is. My my wife shouted it out, and I and I I did a double take because I didn't even recognize him. So, yeah. That was well, and he's got a little. I think he's got a little guy liner going. I mean, he's 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 all out for the. Yeah. Yeah. The the eighties hair metal look. Yeah, they definitely nailed it. 
Yeah. His car is his car is nice. I'm not gonna lie. I would I would love to be bombing around. Well, not, oh, well yeah. I love how he drives it about you know 75 miles an hour down you know every road he's on in the city. It's the only town. proper speed to drive an American muscle car at. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Too far. Awesome. Well, so uh, kind of the next you know I guess new character we're introduced to is Bob Newbie. Oh my gosh, I love Bob. So well, of course we love Bob. It's Mikey for crying out loud. No, it's <laughs> Samwise the Brave. It's Samwise oh, yeah. the Brave, yes. And Rudy. Yep. And Rudy. Yep. And Casino yep. Man's I don't know, master of son. Yeah. Gomez's son. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pedigree. Pedigree. Yeah. So I was excited to see Sean Astin in the show and I think he was pretty perfectly cast for this role. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, honestly, in this first in this first episode, though, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in, in thinking this, but he almost seems too good to be true. Uh, I don't know if y'all either of y'all. Maybe I'm the only one. Who, I mean, in this group, maybe I'm the only one who had this thought. But I mean, I wondered immediately if he wasn't just like, you know, like a government spy or something, like being sent to kind of wow. get cozy with Ma- Joyce said, to keep an eye on him. Maureen said the same thing. And yeah. Right after we watched the first episode, I said, "There's no way. It, that is that is Sam. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way." I, I know, but right. that also kind of it was like you know maybe that's counterintuitive, but it like that kind of well, fed into it in my mind. I'm like, well, it'd be the perfect way to go against type and make him be like a bad guy. I thought about that for a second, but then but then in like the very next scene when Joyce and Hopper take Will down to the lab. Right. Which totally like I did not see that coming. Um, but when when he mentioned like you know oh Bob the brain you know and it's, sorry old habit when I realized you know what I mean. Oh, that's, one of the true, that's true. That's true. If they yeah. knew him from high school, then right, it's right. unlikely he's like a, a double agent or whatever. Which I love that. I love the idea that they've kind of established that you know that Joyce was kind of one of the cool kids. Yeah. You know, and and that Bob was, you know, he was the original Goonie. He was, right. <laughs> you know, he, he was a, a, one of the nerdy kids. And, you know, and so I kind of like that and kind of. um, But, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of had that thought for a minute, too. I was like, wow, he, you know, but then when you kind of realize, like, you know, he's he's been like this nice nerdy guy. And um, well, and he plays in a lot too to Joyce's characterization this season, which I thought was interesting and and really solid. You know that Winona had a totally different Joyce to play this season as opposed to last season. Yeah, this yeah. is the this is the Joyce that is not going to let another any anything ever again happen to her child. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean she's she's Mama Bear Joyce this time. She's not crazy frazzled, you know, losing her mind Joyce. Well, instead of instead of like not knowing where her children were in season one to the point where one of them was sucked into an alternate dimension, she's not hardly <laughs> letting Will out of her sight. You know, oh she's, yeah, she's picking him up at the front door of the school, dropping him off at the same, you know, making sure you know she knows where he is at all times, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. No, she did, she did, and she does a great job this whole season. I was really impressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also speaking of, you know, basically being too good to be true, you're right. The next scene is them going down the Hawkins lab, which 
Wow. Uh, yeah, that was like a very kind of surprising twist. So, okay, now, I mean, yeah. I don't like the way it goes, though, but I mean that they've basically, the government has come in and said, hey, these guys that were here before were like rogue agents, you know, we're right. here to help. We're trying to basically take care of Will, take care of you guys. Clean up the mess. Clean up the mess, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a it's quite a sea change. You know what I mean? It's it's like the first season they're the they're the scary fire starter shop right, the type shop. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in this one, all of a sudden, we're now we're dealing with like the 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 scientists from ET. Well, you know? I, but that but this is where they play the 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 the, the expectations out because it's it's freaking mm. Carter Burke. Exactly. Right? I mean, so exactly. So like, the whole yeah. time, I mean, that's. That's all I'm thinking. Um, you know, that's all. It's the, you know, it's uh, a lot of money, Ripley. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all. You know, the whole time. Oh yeah. Well, and not I only that, I, I actually. Well, it it was so crazy how much his first scene here reminded me of him talking to Ripley when she's first woke up from hypersleep at the yeah. beginning of Aliens. Like when he back on whatever in the station above Earth or wherever they end up, yeah. he's like you know he's the one kind of basically like debriefing her, and he almost has a very very similar conversation with our survivor who was asleep you know somewhere else in Will. I, I just think it was like the way they kind of introduce him here. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it was to me almost like homage to you know his very famous oh, role yeah. in Aliens. So. I, I feel like there's a lot of aliens in the approach and themes and Easter eggs and homages and yeah, like a lot of people, a lot of people say Empire Strikes Back when they try to go for like really good sequel. I feel like this is Aliens to Alien. Mm. When it comes well, to and as the season goes on, I think that comparison becomes more and more and more apt. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. But definitely, I've seen several people, like several of my own. Friends have said, man, that's a really good comparison, alien to aliens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it's funny, I, you know, just like in season one where Hopper, he doesn't know what's going on with Will, but he definitely smells that something's up, you know, something's rotten mm-hmm. in Hawkins. You can tell he he's on edge. He's kind of got that PTSD thing going, as the doctor suggests, but... I don't think you get the sense he doesn't quite trust the doc, you know, Dr. Brown here either. Like he, the way he looks at him, you know, from the parking lot up to the building and Dr. Brown waves, it's like, I don't think he trusts this guy at all. And and why should he? Which you don't blame him. You can't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What happened? No. Yeah. Hawkins lab was like bad news from start to finish in season one. So. That's why I was just shocked when they just walked right in, and I was like, "Woo!" Like, yeah. Well, so let me ask you. I mean, I guess we're just supposed to kind of infer what happened, but I mean, it mm-hmm. ends. Season one ends with him getting in a car to go to the lab. Yes. Yep. But we don't really. We don't really see what happened, or don't why. really see or know yeah. what happens. I guess we're supposed to well, assume that. It's- it's. I mean, it is. I don't. Is it said in this episode? I know it's said in the season. He, he Hop makes it explicit what the arrangement is. Okay. He does. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah you're he right. Does yeah. Say, he does say you, you keep this crap out of my town, and I can't. Right, and I'll you. keep it quiet. Right. Okay. Right. So I guess 
they must that very night at the end of series one kind of made this arrangement, I guess. Um, yeah. Although I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a little ambiguous. That one shot you're talking about, whether or not that was the, like, if, if there was any time jump there, I think if I'm remembering right, um, uh, no, I think he, well, I guess it could be, it seems like he walks out of the hospital after Will wakes up and they have yeah. their like, you know, end of the Lord of the Rings kind of reunion. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right, right. And, and that's when they pick him up. Yeah. And then Hop walks out the back of the building and they pick him up. But mm. anyhow, I just, you're right here. Yeah. I forgot that they do get a little more explicit as to what his role in this whole thing is, but. Well, yeah, and, right here initially, it's not exactly yeah, clear what that is. Yeah, you still don't know exactly what it is. So right, yeah. right. Well, and they and and um, dancing around spoilers, uh, they mention. Well, it's not really a spoiler. They they I saw an interview with the Duffer Brothers that said that they they kind of regretted some of the those little beats they put in at the end of season one. Does it kind of tied their hands a little bit, or what? Yeah, because it kind of tied their hands a little bit, and they said that 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 they were going to be careful about not doing that in the future so that they, they have a little more freedom when it comes to writing the next. Yeah. Well, yeah, season, definitely. Season. Spoiler alert. They definitely don't end this season with those kind of little. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And then they said that was purposeful because they just didn't want to like, they didn't want to catch themselves and we'll get into it next episode. Um, but yeah, with the, with the, the egos in the box problem, which, I've, yes, is probably my only complaint for the season. I'll be perfectly honest. Okay, good. Yeah, so, we can talk about that next episode. We'll talk about next I, episode. I think I know what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, we see here that lots of our main characters from the previous season are suffering emotionally from everything that happened then, oh, yeah. um, but maybe none more so than Nancy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, her and. Steve having to go to Barb's parents' house for dinner with their KFC. His finger looking good. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, that, that scene is just very painful. It I mean, is. I feel like you really feel her uh, guilt, you know? Yeah. And it's, and you know what? It's not even, it's not even her fault, but it's, she's the only one who's still. Mm-hmm who still actually really cared about trying to find some resolution for her friend. And it's, it is a hell of a thing. I mean, I I don't have children. Um, so, but I do have loved ones and and if one of them disappeared and you don't have a body and you don't know what happened, you're getting one story from the authorities and you're not, and, and if you can't be sure, what what must it do to you? I mean, I can understand the frustration with her parents, and mm. uh, and I can understand why it would drive someone to you know mortgage their home and give everything they have to find out the actual truth of of what's going on. Um, right. But again, it's and it's and it's Nancy taking on that responsibility when it's I, it's really not even her responsibility to bear it. it that should have fallen onto right. onto Hopper. Um, well, and and it's yeah. There's the lie that's crushing her, but it's also I think probably too like she feels guilty because you know she basically blew off her friend to go you know yeah fool around with Steve and right. and you know and normally in that situation it would have been fine, but 
unfortunately, you know, Barb got attacked by a monster. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, so it's, you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, Nancy's got this, like, existential, you know, like, kind of like the, the, you know, the guilt of losing your virginity has been, like, turned into a literal monster. Oh, Jesus. Like, yeah. Whoa, you know way, what I mean? Way to go there, Dave. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, so she's got that. And so she can't, she not only can she, she can't come clean about to Barb's, Barb's parents about what happened. Like, I know Barb's dead for a fact because this monster ate her. Well, how did the monster eat her? Well, I was upstairs doinking Steve and the monster ate Barb because, yeah, she well, was my right. Ride. I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> right. She does, she is complicit in a way that, you know, yes, she put, she kind of put Barb in the situation where this happened. The reality is if her and Nancy had been walking back to the car out on the road, when this happened, when instead of going upstairs with Steve, then they probably both would have died. You know what I mean? Well, Could've like, or who knows? Who knows what the like counterfactual would be? But uh, she, it's not right. Her guilt, an extreme guilt, obviously, uh, isn't completely rational. You, you know, you could very easily say, well, we we would have right. both died if I had been down there too. Um, but it probably that doesn't make her feel better. I'm sure. No, no, no well, it it's it, it's it's the lie that's getting her because yeah. she knows. That she could, she knows that she could end their their hope their like their fruit right. she knows that their hope is fruitless and yes. that that would be an awful awful feeling to know right. for a fact that they that they're hoping for no reason yeah. uh, would just you know and and again like and and I was being exact I was exaggerating a bit but you know she still is a teenage girl so yeah. something like I think the weight of something like that would be horrific and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all that. You know, she's, you know, can barely keep it under control at Barb's house. And right. has to go, has to cry in the bathroom over it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we're not done with her sadness yet. We'll, no. we'll get to that more as we go into future episodes. Um, and it's not just her either. I didn't make a direct note here, but I mean, besides the buyers and how they're suffering through recovery and Hopper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Nancy and to a lesser degree, Steve, uh, Mike is really shown his, his, it, really his role in this first half of the season or his arc is just one of, yeah, also just like sad, uh, sadness, longing, angry, sad, angry, yeah. sad, yeah, 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 frustration. Um, and it's not exactly, you know, you get more clarification on that in episode two. But, you know, he still basically kept his little shrine to L down in the basement, which I'm like, I, I don't know. It, well, my mom would not have let that stay there for an entire year. I don't know if but we saw from season one, Eleven stayed in the basement and uh, Mike's mom never found her. So yeah, I'm getting, maybe she I'm, doesn't go down there. Enough, I'm, guessing, but. I'm guessing that the basement is that's. That's the that's where the boys are. I'm just gonna let right. them have that space. They they right. stay out of my hair when they're down there. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, you see, Mike. I mean, I think Mike begins and ends the episode uh, trying to talk to Eleven. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and he's definitely. Yeah, he's not happy. And who can blame him? I mean, yeah. you know, he, he, the poor kid. Um, it. it it wasn't it wasn't a um a, a blessed 
uh, departure. You know, it was a, right, a right. violent, it's tra- traumatic, it yeah, was traumatic. And and again, he's also another year older, and it's yeah. I mean, he's still a kid, but you know, you add in all those other factors of you know prepubescence and yeah, the fact that I mean, his family yeah. life is is stable, but I mean, his father's a turd. His mother is definitely caring, but ineffectual. It's you know again. Right. It's, I'll say it again. It's the it's the classic you know Spielbergian household where it's yeah. you know they're the parents are there, but they're not there. So well, and his parents don't. I get the sense that, and we'll see more next episode, but they have a partial understanding of what happened, but they don't know everything that Mike and Nancy knows. Right. I don't think. Yep. No, they they don't. They know very little. No. Right. You know. Right. Uh, so, and yeah, other than the dad being comedy gold, um, you know, the the whole if your friends jumped off a cliff line just well, yeah. roll roll. Thanks, Dad. I did jump off a cliff. You jerk. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That is true. I didn't catch that, but you're right. That that's uh yeah. If only he knew. Yeah, I yeah. Just, I, oh, I, I, admit, I I hate Mr. Wheeler. I'm sorry. I just it is. Well, gosh, yeah, season one, you get the sense that he's just kind of like, uh, just kind of aloof and kind of in his own world. I feel like this season, especially this first episode, yeah, they they make him a little more like overtly kind of unlikable. Um. Yeah. Which is yeah, fine. I mean, you, um, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to like everybody, but it's. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for him to be that way other than the fact that he's just a, you know, in, in a Well, he's trying, basically trying to tell him to get on with it, you know. Like, it, it's been a year, you yeah. need to, you know, move on with your life or whatever. But, yeah, yeah it comes across not great. Yeah, it's a well, little... He, you know, saying that he, to somebody who's like, you know, a full-grown adult is one thing. Saying it to a child is something completely different. Right. right. Well, yeah, he's the cl- he's the classic kind of, like, no empathy, Dad. Yeah, yeah tough love it is. Empathy. Wake up. Yeah, like you know, he he tries to be like you know, like oh, my coach, you know, you'd be off the team, and you know, but he doesn't really like. He he, he he's the classically like doesn't understand his son like at all. Like there's yeah, no, I forgot uh, I forgot the sports analogy, the awful, terrible, <laughs> real bad. right, which yeah. would just go nowhere with Mike. Like right, it's just you know what I mean, like <laughs> and it's so yeah, right. exactly. Exactly, and yeah, Mike, you no, know, I mean, like, like you know, at, at Mike's age, when I was Mike's age, you know, there I'd already been through a few things that were like major life shakeups, and when you're that age, like you don't, it's extremely hard to have any kind of long term perspective because you don't have that much life. So, it's one of those things where if something like that, like losing somebody in that way. I mean, it, it's kind of all consuming. It's hard to, uh, get past it at that age. It's hard to have like the long view. You don't have like a bunch of past experiences that you can kind of draw on and, and, you know, calm yourself emotionally and kind of, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, Mike is an interesting, he's sometimes he's a little over, overstated, sometimes he's a little understated, but I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty spot on his kind of sullen, angry, like, one you smile for I mean? any pictures, you know. No, no, like he's yeah. very much like having the hard time with it, and he's not the like wondrous wide-eyed uh, boy from the first season, right? You know, right. 
Yeah. Maybe if his dad had made some analogy to, you know, remember the time that the party lost to the troll in the woods and we re replenished our mana or whatever and, and right. made it out again. And if he used that kind of analogy, maybe maybe Mike would have perked up a little bit, but yeah. not yeah. the sports ball. Yeah, it's funny like watching that scene for the first time. All I'm thinking is like, is this what would happen to Elliot? You know, six months after the end of ET. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. is is that would he would that would that you know childlike wonder and and joy be be gone? Would would the experience with ET stay with him in a positive way, or would he be crushed? You know, right. it's kind of it's kind of a depressing. Like your life's all downhill from here, kid. It's well, that would geez, you hung out with an alien for a summer. How could right? You know? Like, right. right. Well, right. And, I, and I think I think you're hitting on something there because they have the luxury of you know kind of pursuing those kind of questions in this long form you know storytelling you know medium that is there's lots of movies like that you could say you know yes these people went on this incredible adventure and their life will never be the same and you don't really want to go there because it would be kind of a sad story then uh, right. Right. So we're seeing, I think we're seeing that directly, you know, the way they start the season here. Yeah. So transitioning to another kind of, you know, domestic unhappiness situation, or I don't even know if I'm saying unhappy, but I think the next scene here is, you know, Will and Jonathan mm. trying to make the best of what they can with uh, Bob Newby being their mom's boyfriend and uh, not having as much in common with him. As they do with each other. Yeah. Right. And I mean, how could they? I mean, it, it's, you know, their their experiences have certainly changed them, too. And Bob is just the nice guy that Joyce needs right now, you know. He's trying really hard. He's and, trying really hard. And, yeah. yeah. And he's he's not, you know, he's not treating them like yeah. like crap, but he's also he also doesn't know what they've been right. through and how could he? Because there's no way that Joyce is going to come out and be like, hey, my kid went to an alternate alternate dimension. I thought he was dead, and you know, on and on and on. Right, right, right. Well, and I, and I like the fact that the boys, you know, it's weird because you know, mom's got a new boyfriend, um, but they don't like hate him or anything. It's not an antagonistic relationship. It's it's yeah. it's the it's the you know, we like Bowie and he likes Kenny Rogers, type, <laughs> you know, eye rolling type, you know, this guy's a derp type thing. <laughs> so, you know, which again, is it's kind of funny because for me personally, that's that was what happened to me around that age. My my mom got a new uh, husband who she's still married to today. And, and, and that was saying he's he was a super nerdy computer guy, you know, like really laid back, mellow, you know like derp like straight up like just you know <laughs> and so you know I, lo- I mean to this day i love him to death but you know like he was like he was yeah he was really white bread like <laughs> you know like seriously like and so um this yeah, coming from yeah. the three people on the network that probably have the least amount of melanin come on <laughs> I know my white bread. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it was it was good. I thought it was good. I liked I liked how they and I like I liked how it showed like their relationship more. You know, the fact that they they are really tight brothers, yeah. which yeah. which is which is good because you which we knew, yeah, right. Well, it's an interesting contrast because you have you've got um, Max and her stepbrother 
and they're the opposite. They're the right. we've been through a divorce and and it's just made us like angry. Blended family, yeah. Yep, and it's like not working. And then whereas like you know you have the other ones where Jonathan and uh, Will are they're tight. They brought them together. Type right. Yeah. So, I mean it's right. I'm, it's one of those things that when Lonnie took off, you know, who was the only man that was there for Will was Jonathan. You know, he kind of right. had to take over that that male role model Eternal role. Yeah. 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 But it is interesting to see like, you know, Will's chafing at like, you know, kind of telling Jonathan, like, I'm okay. Like you can give me some space. And I think Jonathan's kind of stuck because he's kind of painted himself into a corner to where, you know, he didn't hook up with Nancy. He doesn't have any real friends. He's focused all his time on taking care of his mom. And then he switched it over to Will. And so now, here he is, like, you know, what does he do with his time now yeah. with Will? Tell him, I need some space. Like, you're making me feel weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody's making him feel weird, but, you know, so it's interesting. Well, things, things we'll see play out. Well, Jonathan got a, a variety of movies from the uh, rental place, but, but he... Bob chooses that they should watch Mr. Mom out of the three he got. And so, you know, they kind of roll their eyes and, you know, during the movie itself, you know, Bob's just laughing, you know, the entire time while Jonathan Wildes are kind of painfully, you know, putting up with uh, watching this movie on VCR. <laughs> However, I like Mr. Mom and I like Michael Keaton. I do too. You know, <laughs> in his, and when he's in a comedy role, he, yeah. he's a great comedic actor. People forget that. Yeah, he was really funny for a long time. I not, yeah, I've not seen Mr. Mom. I've heard it was good though. It's really good. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, obviously Beetlejuice is you know kind of like a horror comedy, but he's funny in that. Dream Team and uh, Dream Team. I don't think I've seen mm-hmm. that one, oh, but Multiplicity. That's... Multiplicity was a good one as well. Definitely yeah, gotta oh, check yeah. out Dream Team. That is okay. It's good. Great. It's the funny version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, nice. Yeah, movie movie night was funny. I was it was another one I was trying to kind of like you know regale my kids with boring stories of my childhood, but <laughs> um, you know because because we try to do movie night, but it's 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 just not the same because you don't go and pick the movie and bring it back, and so like just firing up Netflix or something, it's so hard to get my kids to like sit down and like take it seriously. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have that, like, ooh, anticipatory. You know? Yeah. Right. You know, because I, I remember moving. I can remember vividly. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. My family and another family, like, renting Tremors, and we, like, sat there all, like, you know, 15 people in rapt attention around the television because, you know, we'd not seen it. And we, you know, whereas, like, now it's like, you know, you can't get people to shut up during a movie, you know? No doubt. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say I'm still old school. I go to the movies. I phone is in my pocket with the ringer off. It's like I just want to just sit here and, and be sucked in. Right. So right. Even, yeah. even when I'm at home, you know, if I if mm-hmm. you know if I'm mm-hmm. choosing something to watch, then it's like beat it. I'm watching this. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, and I think we mentioned on a previous podcast, but yeah, the going to going to get you know going on a friday night to pick a movie and you know you know you have to 
struggle with the possibility that what you want might not be there. So then you got to go to option B or C or D or E, like, you know, on down the right. line. It, right. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to replicate that. The red box or whatever is not the same as no. uh, going to. Oh, the pressure. Somebody standing behind you while you're like oh, trying yeah. to like punch the buttons and you, you type your pin code in wrong and they're just looking at you like what's right. wrong with you? Like can't you correct your touch screen? And you're just like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to rent this. I need to rent something else. Yeah. It's terrible. Terrible. Oh. Movie night. Well. <laughs> well, and again, it, and again, it plays into uh, Bob's character. We're finding out, you know, he's he's a nerdy. He works uh, at Radio Shack. Yeah, he works yeah. at Radio Shack. He's a nerdy tech guy, an early '80s tech guy. So of course, he's a you know an adopter of the the big VHS. Uh, the high you know VCR. Was it the which ones are those uh-huh. ones? The uh, what's that now? No, the video camera. That. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that, but yeah, the big over the shoulder. Now that's Doc. Know. That's Doc Brown's exact yeah. one, right? Portable television studio. Yeah, that, I mean that's it, right? Like I looked at it, like that has to be the exact same one, like yeah. as Back to the Future, right? It's right. Pretty, pretty darn close. Okay. Yeah. Glorious. I know, and it was funny too, because like the the way he was recording in the video, I'd like, I like, oh my gosh, we have so many home movies that are exactly like that you know oh yeah somebody well, just I've... standing there pointing the camera at somebody else just like isn't this amazing like you know <laughs> like not really no but <laughs> oh hours of that nonsense oh my goodness it's funny when i first uh started dating my now wife uh her father still had you know still had his giant over the shoulder video camera and still would, you know, get it out. And this would be like, let's say, you know, 1999, 2000. And right. would still get it out for special occasions and make us watch old home videos. And, yeah, another thing that smartphones <laughs> have killed. But uh, Good stuff, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, in an homage, the next kind of part basically is, very much an homage to, to me at least, to Close Encounters when Will in the middle of the night has another one of these waking visions and goes to the door of his house and, you know, basically sees this terrible storm coming. Yeah. Uh, one thing about their house, cool. I, I know that they, you know, you see that it's been cleaned up and repainted and made much nicer looking at the end of the first season at Christmas time. I feel like they're like I feel like the floor plan looks different. I mean, did y'all think their I felt like their house looked different on the inside. Maybe it's just more. I don't know. Um, they they kind of yeah. It does. They're not shooting it from the same angles. That's what think. it seems like. Like or like yeah. even the geography of the room seems a little bit different. Uh, I noticed one shot of the hallway, and I was like, "Oh, there's the hallway, you know, where it had like the traps and everything down it." So I, it's, I it's like, partially the same, but I think I think it might have changed a smidgen. Yeah, I feel like looking down the hallway towards the like Will and Jonathan's rooms. Yes, mm-hmm. that looks the same. I feel like the reverse of that shot, looking from that hallway like into the house proper, or like towards the front door when he has this vision. Mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't feel like it's quite the same as it was. 
Boy, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it just no, I can it feel like it yeah. looks a little different. It could be different. It could be the, like Dave said, the way they're shooting it, or I mean, maybe they just maybe Bob came in and did some more repairs on it because I mean that house was <laughs> a mess. Yeah, by the end of the yeah. first season, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, but you know what, Dave? You're, you you said good pull. You, you know what shot I'm referring to, like when the little boy yeah. goes oh, out yeah. and yeah. encounters, and, and the, it's even the similar color, like orangish red, you know, light from outside. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although I do think that scene in Close Encounters is much scarier than this scene was in this. Uh, in yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice effect though when they actually show the uh, the hair standing up on the back of Will's neck. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean his. Just out of the gate, uh, the Noah Schnapp who plays Will, his man, his his performance in this season is mm-hmm. is Millie Bobby Brown level in season one. Um, it, well, he's going to do something, right. you know. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, he's. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a lot of him in in the first season, but that's a, he, that kid's another like a plus child actor. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, and then this, it's so interesting, you know, because, like, you know, last season he was trapped in, in the Upside Down, and now he's playing the Upside Down trapped in him. And, uh, you know, he does a really good job of bringing that out, I think, in his performance, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and then kind of similar to season one, where we knew that Joyce wasn't crazy. Right. We know that something is up with Will. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's not just PTSD. He's not just, like, emotionally disturbed. There is something happening. And we knew that from the end of the first series, and when he right, right, has right, the, right. the flash into the Upside Down and all that. But, I mean, this these visions he's having, you know, we, we can see the reality of it that, you know, Hopper and Joyce and them, they, they don't understand just yet. Right, right. Yeah. Well, the last scene that uh, we have here is Hopper driving through the woods and walking up to a very remote-looking cabin, mm-hmm. and of course he meets Elle. So, uh, you know, they, at this point we don't have any explanation of how how this arrangement came to be, but yeah. we're going to find that out shortly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how you that's how you cap an episode. I mean, we no doubt. I mean, <laughs> we, we knew she was coming back. Right. It's a nice, uh, oh, yeah, got to watch the next one. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. They did a really good job of, of really wanting you to just pull right into the next episode each time. Yeah. And it was funny because I remember sitting there thinking, like, I'm so glad I don't have to wait a week between each one <laughs> yes. of these episodes because I would have just been, oh, beside myself. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Good old Netflix. Yeah. Speaking of people being beside themselves, do you think Dustin's mom was beside herself um, after the '84 election, considering she had the Mondale yes! sign? I love it. Front of her right. yard, the rest that. of the town. I was like, is, oh, is that's Reagan some serious Bush disappointment for her. Oh my gosh! It's a no. Nice that was great, detail, though. You know. Oh my gosh! And Dustin. Well, at this point, the election hasn't happened yet. No. Oh, that's right. It's right around the corner. Right. It's so literally next week, like, yeah, it's like, like the, the next week, week after all. Like but this, in hindsight, yeah. knowing what we he, know. Yes, yes. Oh, She's set up for huge disappointment right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. 
and and let me just say like oh my gosh was Dustin was was he not the rock star of this season like uh, I think Steve is but we'll get there oh yeah well well, well yeah. they're they're yeah, like tag fair. team right no I I think I mean I literally like I had to pause it I was laughing so hard when 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 the boys were kind of like spying on Max. <laughs> Right, and he pulls that crumpled piece of paper out. Yeah. It's just Dustin's every, reaction. Well, shit. Every that's like, a, I, if a lot of people have complained about the kids swearing this season. It, they're not oh, dropping oh. f bombs. They're doing kids swearing, and it's totally appropriate kids swearing. And oh, yeah. every time they do, every time they do drop, uh, you know, a, a damn or an or an s bomb, it's. Oh yeah. It, it warms my heart. Oh, same. Especially coming from Dustin, who's the little... Well, Dustin's the, the most, you know, profane of their little group. I mean, he... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's very expressive. <laughs> but he's yeah, the adorable yeah. one. Right. Oh, yeah. All that's, you know... And they well, get the juxtaposition they're going for. You know, and, and that's the thing about that age, too. Like, it's, you know, you are you are half kid and half, like, adult. You know, you really are. You, you've got all the wonder and excitement about things that come from being a child and enthusiasm and, and curiosity, but you, you're also starting to dip your toes in the grown up waters. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to swear a little, I'm going to, I'm going to sneak out a little with my friends. I'm going to yeah. do, you know, I'm going to push the boundaries a little bit. And the, those boys, like they're right at that age. They're right at that, you know, I mean, I catch my daughter's 11, almost 12. I, I catch her almost swearing in front of me quite a lot. Like, <laughs> I catch your kind of shifting words mid syllable, so you know I, right. yeah. I, you know I know how it goes. So you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, me, me yeah. on pod, me on this podcast, very clean. Me in real life, longshoreman. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I think. I'm well, not... I remember that at, at, at their at their age too. I had just finished like living like like on a military base with military kids. Oh, jeez. And military kids, you know, you're in military families, and they swear a lot, like <laughs> like a lot. I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Dustin. Oh my gosh, that, I just thought it was such a great moment. It just, yeah. I mean, oh, you know. <laughs> and that new, you know, there's a new girl, you know, and she likes video games. I mean, holy cow. Yeah. If well, that's the thing. Like, like this... that. that I knew was into video games. Whoa. Well, this season, so right here in this very first episode, we'll start setting up like, that's kind of Dustin and Lucas's, their kind of story arc here at the beginning is, you know, finding out who Max is, you know, right. and basically both of them coming to want to like join, have her join the party. Right. 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 Yeah. So that all, that all begins right here. Well, uh, that was kind of all the talking points I had for uh, this first episode. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Um, I don't think without – I really don't think there's any way without getting too too spoilery yeah. uh, for other stuff. Well, uh, I think we've done a good job so far in this episode of not you yeah. know, really keeping it kind of focused on, on this episode. Not... There's two Easter eggs, I think, if Ooh. you pay attention, that I caught just tonight. Okay. One one is on the the very shot of when Joyce you see Joyce at work. Um, okay. There's Halloween masks for yes, sale in I, there. Yeah. And one of which I know I think might have been more than one, but I know one of them which we saw at the uh, 
at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it's the same masks Ooh. that the the four in the van are are wearing. I did. The Which Mott- were kind of creepy yeah. looking. Yeah, yeah, the Motley Crue vans. Yeah, then then just the other one I thought was a little more subtle. It took me a while to notice, but just um, they didn't directly use. Well, I mean, in the first se- uh, season, uh, Mr. Clark was more more overtly explaining plot points, and this one. He's still got the same job. He's just not as um, the boys aren't asking him directly for help with what's going on. So right. I, thought, I thought it was pretty cool that everything that Mr. Clark was saying um, has a payoff. So plus he was just amazing. Like what a dorky science teacher. Like you know the the whole thing with him. Like and Dustin. Like give me a drum roll, Dustin. Dustin, <laughs> give it the drum roll. Like. I, I wish I had a science oh. teacher in, in grade school like him. I didn't get any yeah. like him until I got to high school. But uh yeah, that's right, the kind of right. that's the kind of teacher you want. Oh yeah. 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 Just makes it fun. So anyways, just little minor little minor things I noticed. So that was about it. Awesome. Bob doesn't like scary movies, so uh <laughs> he's about to have a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> anyways. Uh-huh. That was all I had. Right. Awesome. Well, I, um, I I enjoyed how they kind of took the idea of the season being set, you know, in the Halloween time and uh-huh. really, you know, really run with it, especially here in these first few episodes. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to more of that, you know, as we cover the next few episodes. But uh, I think that's all I had for, for this one, guys. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad the show came back and, uh, you know, for us, it was such a rousing success. It really would have sucked if it had come back and just been terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, th- I don't think the risk of that was high. But can you imagine if it had come back and just been like a big wet fart and just been, uh, you know, let's uh, let's not. I don't want to think about that. I don't yeah. Think about well, it didn't. It didn't happen. It did not happen. So that's good. Um, yeah. Would have made our job a little more interesting. So. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but yes. I prefer talking about stuff I like. Me exactly. too. Me exactly. Too. Yeah. And it's not to say there aren't some things I still like, kind of question in this season, even, mm-hmm. um, or maybe would prefer a different way. But overall, I'd say it was very, very good. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, sure. you know, it picked up where it left off, and it made me go, "Oh, yeah, I need to watch," you know, like all these right now. So that's <laughs> that's that's the job. That's its yeah. Job. No. That's right. That's right. And it actually made me want to go back and watch, you know, maybe the last couple episodes of the first season, too. Oh, yeah. I got my rewatch in a couple of weeks before this one came out, so. I, right. I might I might have watched the the new season four times already, maybe. Damn. Wow. Maybe five. That's lacking. Wow. I thought you'd be up to ten by now. <laughs> I've only been able to watch it once and just rewatch this episode so far, but I have a, lo- a nice long weekend coming up, so. Right. Sure, yeah, a couple of I was a little excessive. We started it. My wife fell asleep. I kept watching. Then we got up in the morning and then started all over again to watch <laughs> it with the kids and watched it all the way through again. And no, then no breakfast watching. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of glorious. We, had, we we did an all day Saturday marathon. Didn't get out of the pajamas. Just ate cinnamon toast crunch and watched uh, Stranger Things. Wow, it was glorious. Yeah, it was glorious. It was, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm the most, like, boring dad. I feel bad for my children. Um, no, you're <laughs> awesome, dad. Yeah. 
we go outside today, Dad? No, shut up. Have some more cereal. So. <laughs> Can't talk. Watching. <laughs> Come, children. Bask in the warm, glowing light of TV's glowing warm. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No. This is. I'm looking forward to, to the recap in the season. It's. It's really good, and and it keeps getting better. Like uh, the more I've watched it, it's. It's just as good, I think, as season one, if not better. So. Yeah. Well. The, awesome. The, well, that that verdict will will get there eventually. With uh, we uh, we come down on it. Yeah. And, yeah. We'll definitely have a, a lot more to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Awesome. Well, I'm just excited that during the off season we'll be able to talk about Alien and Aliens and cover. All uh, I've already, I've already started compiling a list. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're gonna finally get around to doing a commentary on Aliens. It's gonna be it's awesome. Awesome. It's gonna be great. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, well. I appreciate you guys coming on tonight. And like I said at the top, um, we can you can you can find our Facebook group. Uh, just search for Cast Protection. Um, uh, you can email the show, and you can also follow uh, follow the show on Twitter. So please uh, please join the Facebook group. We've actually had uh, so, you know with the new season coming on, we've had several people join in the last couple of weeks and having some conversation on there about about the new season. So uh, come join us on the Facebook. Um, with that, I guess we'll, we'll see you next episode. Uh, thanks Chris. Thanks Dave. Um, yeah, we will see y'all next time. Thanks. If you shop at amazon.com, please consider using the link at two truefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks.